0: All right, guys. Uh, Good morning. Uh, I want to start by thanking you guys for taking the time to come out here this morning. Uh, uh, For those of you who don't know me, my name is Nick Missios. I am a dad here at Lakeview Christian Center. I've been going here for a really long time, Uh, and I love it here. And I love the dads here. And. And it's exciting for me to be involved in something like this. So uh, this morning, I want to take you guys through the genesis of POPs and what our mission statement is as we go forward in this. Uh, But because it's a dad ministry, I think that it's really important that we start with a dad joke. Um, I think that's only appropriate. This is a throwback. Uh, Why was six afraid of seven? But do you know why 789? Because his doctor told him he should have three square meals a day. That's the, that's the exact sound you want from a good dad joke. I'm happy with that. That's, that's success right there. That's the landing sound of success. The, uh, my kids give it to me frequently. Um, all right, so I, I want to start with why POPs. Um, I've read a lot of books that talk about, where the author will often begin the book by saying, this book exists because I need it. Uh, And that is true of Pops. Pops exists because I need this. Uh, This is a ministry that I proposed because I was desperate for it. uh, And I found other dads who needed it as well. Um, Probably a good year plus ago, I was sitting around a table with a bunch of dads and a bunch of you guys are in this room. And we were just talking about uh, just the struggle of dadding, just how challenging it is to be a dad. I think this is pre-COVID and everything, so this is like before even all that foolishness started. And I'm looking around this table and I'm like, these these are good dads. Like These are dads that I want to be like in a lot of ways. And they're feeling overwhelmed uh, by the prospect of how to practically walk out their love for their wives and their kids. Uh, and I felt that's, I feel like this shouldn't be. I feel like we need something to care for guys that are in this position, and so that idea was just kind of kicking around in my brain. And I I started looking for books, and if you guys ever perver- tried to peruse books in like the Christian living slash family relationship slash parenting, you'll find like eighty percent of them have like flowers on the cover or ladies looking at you and telling you that you're going to be okay. Uh, but there's very few really good books for dads that are both instructing and encouraging. Uh, dad books, if you know, or men's books in general, tend to be you suck, do better, right? How many of you guys have, have thumbed through books that or heard podcasts that just kind of fall in that genre it's just like, you're bad at this. Wake up earlier. Stay up later. Work harder. Um, that's a great way to burn yourself out. And so what I was thinking was, all right, we need a some kind of forum where we can have instruction and equipment for guys, but also encouragement and support and community. And I was like, oh, that's like MOPS. Um, and if any of you guys' wives are involved in MOPS, mothers of preschoolers, although that's expanded a bit to include uh, mothers of kids who are older, um, it's this community of moms that gather together. They learn. Uh, they learn practical ways to care for their families and lead them better. Um, But there's a community around them of support and encouragement as they do that. So I'm on a road trip with my wife. um, Just a little mini vacation that we went on. And and we're driving. And I was like, all right, crazy idea. Mops, but for dads. And we call it Pops. And that's where the idea started. So we just fleshed out ideas that, that we... Uh, things that we'd want to talk about, things that I knew as a dad that I struggled with. I'd heard other dads say that they'd struggled with. Um, and so by the time we got back to New Orleans, we had decided, hey, we're going to – I think we may have already had texted Pete at this point in time and said, hey, let's get together. Uh, I baited him in by saying we also wanted to talk about Disney World. Uh, so I said, can we talk about Disney and this new ministry that I'm thinking about? And so that was a way to get into Pete's heart and we sat down i said all right mops but for dads think pops and really pops was just like this placeholder idea of like to give you an idea of like mops but it's dudes um and then as time went on so i i we sat and talked for a couple hours and then he said great send me an email with what we just talked about i'll talk to the leaders about it and and, you know we'll see what happens and i've been at lakeview a long time so i know what that meant um and then I sent him an email, and then a week and a half later, I got a Pete back, uh, email back from Pete saying the, t- the subject was Pops, and the full body of the email was, "When do you want to get together to talk about the next steps?" Which was not the answer I was expecting, and I can tell you that it was not because I had some super refined elevator pitch ready for Pete to talk about Pops. It was because I think the leaders realize the same need, and that that they realize that there's a need for, that that we as dads, the dads in this community need encouragement and we need support and we need training and we need equipping. Um, so as we started to work through it, I, I kept trying to pull, pull Pete away from the title of pops. Cause if you think about the acronym at all, it completely breaks down. I was like, what about this? And he's like, nope, pops. I, I probably threw two or three other titles at him. He's like, nope, pops. So welcome to pops. Um, uh, but I'm sincerely thankful to Pete and to Keith and to Evan and to all the other pastors and elders who have been here working through this thing and, and helping to put feet to it. Um, what is our mission? Uh, if you have your Bible or digital device, turn to First Thessalonians 5, please. First Thessalonians five fourteen, Paul writes, and we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Um, there's a lot of like. This is a really dense verse in terms of vocabulary words. There's about like six. There are seven words in here that that you need to understand exactly what's going on to get a real picture of what type of a community Paul is describing here. Uh, they are admonish, idle, encourage, faint-hearted, help, and weak, and impatient as well. Um, so let's just look at these words individually. Uh, admonish the idle. That word, admonish, is a word meaning to exhort, to instruct, uh, to advise, to put into mind. Um, this is a training and prompting word. It's, it's, you need to go do something, here's how. Um, it's the same word that Paul uses in Romans 15 when he says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourself are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another or counsel one another. Those, that's, those are the same root word uh, and it involves this knowledgeable instruction and encouragement um, and I think that's something that I, I definitely need in, in a variety of areas uh, especially those in which I am idle and this word doesn't just mean lazy it doesn't mean just sitting around doing nothing because I don't think we have a lot of dads here that are just sitting around doing nothing uh, but the word it, it, the Greek kind of expands to meaning uh, not just idle but out of order or disordered or not ready for battle or undisciplined or irregular. And I think that probably describes a lot more of us as dads. We're not just sitting around doing nothing, but sometimes uh, we're undisciplined in how we either plan our days, weeks, months, how we engage certain elements of our kids' discipleship, uh, of our own discipleship. Um, And I think that's a question that as we go through this, as Keith talks today, uh, yes. By the way, Keith is talking today. I'm I'm taking the risk of giving an intro before Keith talks, but I'm encouraged. I, I like the fact that he's going to experience what he does to so many, which is where he gives lengthy like, intros and then tells them to wrap it up. Um, so, uh, my question is: Where is your life out of order? Where is it undisciplined? Because you've probably got an area we all do. Um, so, as you think about admonishing the, I was like, where do I need instruction and encouragement? Uh, speaking of encouragement, so then it's encourage the faint-hearted. Um, I think we all know what encouragement means, right? It's that, that consolation, that comfort, it's that cheering up. Uh, you know, I, when I sat around with these dads I was talking about earlier, they were dads who needed encouragement. Uh, in that moment, uh, yeah, maybe some instruction could have helped one or two of us, maybe all of us probably, but what I felt like in that situation, was like, man, these guys just need to be encouraged. That, hey, you're probably not as bad at this as you think you are. Um, And where you are as bad at as you think you are, there's grace. You have a God of grace who has a vested interest in how you lead your family. That should be encouraging to us. Um, So we're called to encourage the faint-hearted. How many of you guys have felt faint-hearted at any point in time this year? Anybody? Um, discouraged, losing heart, um, sometimes feeling like you don't see the light at the end of the tunnel. Again, maybe not in a big picture, but maybe just in little areas. Um, are you losing heart? Where are you losing heart? What what have you lost heart for? I think that's a helpful question to ask. Um, the final instruction is to, well, the third instruction is to help the weak. And, and that weak is a, is a, not just, Physically weak, but it can mean sick. But it also is a morally weak or powerless. Which I know that we all have times when we feel powerless. But I love this word help because it's not just a, here you go. It's not a it's not a handout help. It's not a slap a book in your hand help. It's not even like text a verse that I was thinking about. The word means to be de- devoted to. Uh, to cling to to hold fast to um, it is uh, it is the picture of Christian community it's the picture of dedicated fellowship and and brotherly love uh, in a way that is relentless and dogged and does not counsel the idea of letting another give up um, there's a quote by Dietrich Bonhoeffer from his book that's probably the, the masterwork on this topic, Life Together. He says, The Christian, however, must bear the burden of a brother. He must suffer and endure the burden. It is only when he is a burden that another person is really a brother and not merely an object to be manipulated. The burden of men was so heavy for God himself that he had to endure the cross God verily bore the burden of men in the body of Jesus Christ, but he bore them as a mother carries her child, as a shepherd enfolds the lost lamb that has been found. God took men upon himself and they weighted him to the ground, but God remained with them and they with God. In bearing with men, God maintained fellowship with them. It was the law of Christ that was fulfilled in the cross. And Christians must share in this law. We are called to one another to bear one another's burdens, uh, which can sound like a big proposition. But the good news is you have other guys that are called to bear your burdens. You have other guys that you can reach out to and cling to. Um, And I want to create a, a community here of guys that cling to one another in that way. I think a good model of this, and this is the patience with them all, because fellowship's easy at first. It's easy to sit down at tables and discuss something and to to give ideas. Um, But you guys all have kids, so you know what this is like with kids. And and it can be the same way with brothers um, where you've talked about something a hundred times. You've reminded somebody of something a hundred times. We all have that kid that I've I've told you, I, I don't know how many times I've told you this, I don't know other words to tell you this. I just have to keep saying it and I just have to hope it sinks in. I have to, that's not just for parenting that's brotherhood too um there are times when you're going to sit down with a brother hopefully and say the same thing a hundred times um but what you reveal in your commitment to them in that moment reveals christ's commitment to you and to them as well um beautiful picture of this is, is john newton and william cooper um if you're not familiar, John Newton was the former slave, tra- slave trader, um, radically saved, moved on to become an abolitionist. Uh, and he befriended, wrote, wrote Amazing Grace, uh, he befriended William Cooper, who was a brilliant hymn writer and poet who was, uh, throughout his life, ravaged by depression, um, attempted suicide multiple times, Um, But John Newton would not let him go, just clung to him and was patient with him and exhorted him and exhorted him and exhorted him again. Um, And those, that relationship for me uh, is a picture of the relationship I think that we're called to have with one another, this dogged pursuit of one another. And that's what I'd like to see grow out of this I'd like to see it start at these tables but grow into coffees together or having the family over for dinner and doing life together that's kind of the picture of community that I have coming out of here as we do this Keith's going to talk a little bit today about the individuality of dads and families so that you are your dad you are you your kids are your kids your wife is your wife you have unique dynamics Uh, as we go forward we're going to discuss a lot of other topics. Um, I would encourage you guys to give feedback as we're discussing these things. I'm going to try to gather as much of this feedback as I can about topics you want to discuss in this, because I want this to be somewhat responsive to you guys. Um, we're going to talk about things like media and prayer, um, really practical things, uh, reading, Sabbath, um, play even, exercise. We might get to it. There's lots of topics I'd like to discuss with you guys about how we care for our families in these ways. Um, in all of these areas, I want us to pursue excellence. I want this to be a call to excellence in this community, but a gracious call to excellence. I want us to feel compelled to pursue excellence in parenting our kids, in loving our wives, in growing in our relationship with God. Uh, but I want that to come across and I want that to be walked out graciously and understanding that God has grace for us when we're weak. Um, so that's my goal for this. I hope that you guys are uh, are going to join me on this on this journey together. Uh, it's growing. Uh, I'm excited to see you all here. I hope that it continues to grow, and I hope that we grow in depth well. With that said, I want to hand it over to Keith as he talks about us as individuals, uh, and then I'll wrap it up when he's done.
1: You want your water there? I do want the water. I'm <laughs> Good morning to you guys. And thank you guys for coming out. Uh, I just want to thank Nick for having a burden for discipleship. Uh, I, I think one of the things that we want to grow in as a church community is is the sense of owning discipleship amongst the church, that discipleship is not just a function of a guy with a microphone and a podium and a gathered group in a large room. Uh, discipleship takes place when two guys sit together and have coffee and relate and share their lives. Um, I remember remember reading from a counselor years ago who had written a book about counseling, and he basically said something that was very true about all of us. He says, we're all counselors. You're not just being counseled when you go to see a counselor. You're being counseled anytime you read somebody else's input into your life, whether that comes through social media, whether that comes through a conversation at, at lunch. We're trying to figure these things out, right? Every one of us is looking for the information that's going to help us. And so that's happening, whether you come to a meeting like this or you just hang out with some friends and talk about life. And so, Nick, thank you for creating a venue that that features something about community. And I just want to make a comment about that before I jump into some thoughts today. Um, All of us know this. We live in the information age, not in the community age which means you come across a lot of information. You don't come across a lot of community. And information is getting harder and harder to manage because there's so much of it. And it's coming from so many different angles. And, and quite honestly, it's, it's disembodied information. right? It's, it's comments that are out there that are Twitter comments. That, that, that person that posted that, you may or may know them from some other comments that they've posted, but you don't know them. You don't know their life. You don't know how the values of who they are surface in other other areas. And, you know, fatherhood, it's an all-in element. Fatherhood is not just the words that you use. It's not just like you can go to a, a seminar and learn a set of words, go home, and you got your fatherhood thing down. You know that's not true. Fatherhood is about everything about who you are. It's about who you are as a person. It's about the aroma of your life. It's about your attitude. It's about the legacy that you leave because people have lived with you for a long, long, long time. It's not any one moment, it's a collection of thousands of moments. That's not Twitter. That's not the social media world. The social media world is a moment, a flash in the pan idea that just gets thrown at you. And so we need community we need a sense of I'm sitting with real people who are doing real life. They've got real bumps and bruises. They don't do it all right. They fail. They have to get up again. They're sorting things through. That guy over there is nothing like me. So some of what he talks about, I don't even get, but this guy over here is like me and I'm learning to benefit from the community that's here. That's got a variety of people in it. Not my preferences, Not my exclusions, not my, I only friend certain people and I only listen to certain voices. You know, God's community has people in it that you don't like. God's people are going to have something to say to you that you're going to have to make yourself listen to it. And that's God's person for you. And by the way, that may have been your father. Right? Right? Some of you guys in the room here would would recognize there was a lot about my father I didn't like. Uh, Sovereignly, he was your father. And that doesn't mean he was perfect. Doesn't mean everything he did was right. And and you're not going to be that either. And and they're going to be, some of your kids get you in some ways and some of them get you in other ways because they're all different. That's an important aspect of being dads together. I just want to encourage us in this category of building a community together. We are building something. So what I want to frame today for us might, might frame some of the content of what our community would be going after together. Um, so I, whether, whether one day some of you guys may be sharing some things with us, because I, I know Nick's eager to have some of you guys share some things that are going to help us and serve us, but we're all going to be sharing with each other. So I want to appeal to you, help us in our community uh, in, in five categories and I'm gonna actually do this quickly alright so here's my long title this is the longest title of anything I've ever given knowing how to be a dad needs knowledge that doesn't have dad in the title alright so there's things about us being a dad that's not gonna be to be featured because you read a book that had dad in it but there are things that are gonna inform us right so here's five things I'm gonna go through quickly one uh, and this is what I'd be appealing to as a community help me help me to know God Right? Biblically, objectively, experientially, and in a current way. Right? All those things are vastly important. I'm not going to unpack most of this stuff. But help me to know God. Right? That's important in my parenting. Uh, help me to know myself. Right? This is a massive problem. I'll just tell you this from sitting across the table from people's lives. Too many people are strangers to themselves. And their analysis of why something isn't working is always about everybody else. They're specialists in everybody else, but they don't know themselves. Third, help me to know my child and my children, right? And the things that we share and the way in which I hear you interacting with your children and what you observe in them, that's teaching me how to observe things in my kids as well. Four. Know how to manage, teach me to know how to manage principles and practices and traditions, which is what you're going to hear a lot of in these exchanges, right? And it's important, and I'll I'll just unpack these things. I'm going to do this really quickly um, because Nick gave gave me limited time. All right. Knowing God, uh, I can't improve on A.W. Tozer's quotes, probably one of my favorite quotes. You know, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. And basically, if you get your God concept wrong and God is a stranger to you, uh, good luck being a father. Because there's things about knowing God that have to inform who we are as dads. But there's another aspect of this that I want to bring out that comes from a quote by Charles Spurgeon. He says, The highest science, the loftiest speculation, the mightiest philosophy which can ever engage the attention of a child of God is the name of God the nature, the person, the work, the doings, and the existence of the great God who he calls his father. No subject of contemplation will tend more to humble the mind than thoughts of God. But while the subject, I'm not sure where you guys stop I'm just going to read from here. But while the subject humbles the mind, it also expands it. And whilst humbly and expanding, this subject is eminently consolatory. Oh, there is, in contemplating Christ, a balm for every wound. In musing on the Father, there is quietus for every grief. And in the influence of the Holy Ghost, there is a balsam for every sore. I know nothing which can so comfort the soul, so calm the swelling billows of sorrow and grief, so speak peace to the winds of trial, as a devout musing upon the subject of the Godhead. I I don't know of things that we need more than a couple of the things that Charles Spurgeon describes in here as as fathers. When when I go to be a dad, uh, which by the way, there's a couple of you guys here I don't know. So um, my name's Keith Collins. (laughs) I'm one of the pastors here at the church. and, And my pastoring here coincides with the pregnancy of my first child, uh, Gina was pregnant with Sophie when we came on staff here in 1993. So my oldest daughter is 27. Uh, my youngest son is 13. Uh, I've got seven kids, uh, four boys and three girls. Uh, so I-, I think God God was giving me a living lab experiment to live as a family. So I've got a little bit of a variety of all kinds of kids uh, and, and tremendously grateful for these years that I've had with them, and this, so this subject has always meant quite a quite a bit to me, uh, because being a dad and being in their lives means quite a bit to me. And I know that's true for you guys as well. Uh, but what I, I hear in Charles Spurgeon's description here, there, there's an aspect to knowing God that does something for us as human beings, and it does something for us as fathers. He uses that that phraseology of uh, this knowing God is both humbling and expanding and can I just tell you my experience in being a dad is I've needed help in both of those categories immensely Uh, I I have needed the humility that comes by being around God and I can only say it that way and I can only encourage you that there's something about being near to the presence of God that introduces you to a humility that you cannot get anywhere else you cannot get it by reading a book you cannot get it by trying to emulate the way in which you watch somebody else be human There's something about being in the presence of God and having your eyes open to the enormity and the power and the might and the holiness and the splendor and beauty of God that puts you in your place. And let's face it, dads, we we wield authority and we wield influence and, and we're sort of the top of the food chain in our home. We need humility to walk with our kids and to set things before them that don't crush them because we're aware of how our frame is fragile, and and we have our own weaknesses. But he also mentioned that being in the presence of God and the knowledge of God, it expands your heart and your mind. Being a dad is going to bring us into places that are intimidating, that we don't have answers for, that feel risky, that stoke fear in our lives. We're going to go through different seasons, where the, the dad task has this sense of intimidation attached to it. And then along the way, the longer you do it, the more you get familiar with your own weaknesses. And your own weaknesses begin to script how scared you are at what you do. How not good at what you're trying to do becomes real to you. And you're going to need faith in that moment. And and where's that going to come from? Well, it comes from this encounter with God, this knowing God that expands your own soul and gives you faith to step into these moments. I'd say when you and I go to do this parenting, fathering task, I'm skipping stuff here. There's a little list of items that would be rather helpful for us. I'm pressing this and it doesn't like me. Here we go. Right. Raising kids takes things like faith, hope, love, peace, joy, humility. Right. And the list could go on, but that, that, that's a good list, even just right there. Right. I, I would love that my kids could look back over their extended time with me through the years and if they began to describe my dad, I I would be beyond honored and feel successful if they would use some of those words. My I saw faith in my dad. I saw peace in my dad. I saw joy in my dad. I saw hope. He made me feel as though life had hope and there was direction. My dad was a humble man. Right? I would want these qualities to be what they have had an exchange with in the routines of my life as they've interacted with me. But can I tell you, those things don't, don't come from dad books as much as I've read a lot of dad books because I've wanted a lot of help and I love the fact that we're doing this. But those words come from an exchange with God, an encounter with God, a knowing of God. Matter of fact, these are byproduct words. You you don't get them by running directly to them. You get them by running directly to God. And then he produces these in us as a byproduct of our encounter of him. So, you know, as you and I are doing life together, building a community together, um, there is this sense of my need for encountering God and knowing God. So, so if 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 what we turn this into is a lot of tips on being dads that no one ever mentions knowing God, I would have to say this community has failed. Right? There's lots of there's a sewing group that meets here sometimes. Uh, there's all kinds of groups that you could be in. Well, if you're a guys, let's not be a part of the sewing group for obvious reasons. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You'd be sitting down this time of year, next year. Um, but but our, the centrality of who we are as human beings is about knowing God. The centrality of our being dads is about knowing God. When we build a community, that's about being fathers. That should be central. It should be about our knowing God and the impact that has in our lives. And then one more thing this, that Spurgeon brings out is this... Aspect, you guys may need to help me, this thing doesn't like me. Um, This comfort for the soul dimension. He uses some phraseologies in his quote that are just Spurgeon esque. Souls that need comfort, we're going to encounter billows of sorrow and grief, and then there will be winds of trial. Uh, so I'm looking around the room. A lot of you guys are in the early years and the kids are younger kids. And, and somebody, I don't know who said this to me when my kids were younger, but it stuck with me. Uh, little children, little problems. Big children, big problems. Uh, I'm not sure that they're really different in size. They feel differently, though, because of the way they sit in their lives and the sense of how correctable and fixable they are uh, you're going to encounter billows of sorrow and grief as you navigate life together with your family and your children. There are going to be moments of winds of trial. So this thought from J.I. Packer that sits in this category of knowing God, he says, knowing about God is crucially important for the living of our lives. We are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes, let me narrow that to being a dad, becomes a strange, mad, painful place, and life in it a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. Uh, your, your parenting, your being a dad is going to take you into places that fit in the grand scheme of what God is doing to bring glory to his name through your life. If you don't know that, you're, you're going to end up in a very disappointing and unpleasant place walking with your children. So you cannot detach being a dad. So as we build a community, let's help one another to know God. Secondly, help me. Let's help one another to know Ourselves, uh, and that doesn't come because we're a community that points things out to each other, right? Let's not build that kind of a community where every time we get together, I tell you what's wrong with you. Although there are moments where we're real friends, you know, faithful are the wounds of a friend, that we actually do go there with each other, and we need to. That's the kind of community that we need to have as well. But there's a there's a need for us to know ourselves. Um, John five thirty. This is such an insightful passage about the human soul. Jesus says, I can do nothing on my own. This is what Jesus said about his own ministry and life. As I hear, I judge. And my judgment is just. Right? What Jesus did was spot on every time, every moment, every conversation, every interaction, every intention. It was always spot on. Jesus, why? Because I seek not my own will, but the will of him who sent me. Now here's the reality of that verse. There's only one human being that could ever say that. The rest of us, we have another will operating inside of us besides the will of our Heavenly Father. And we do battle with it and we bring it with us everywhere we go. Do you know that about yourself? Do you know how your will Functions in you what is it seeking to serve what world is it trying to build what are you after in that will see Jesus never had a moment when he pulled up into somebody's life and had a conversation with him and, and he was going to bend it to his own advantage he was going to take advantage of that he was going to just you know, kill that conversation quick because he was uncomfortable with it he didn't have a will functioning in him that way but I do and I bring that will with me into my children's lives. And, and I don't want to make this too deep and complicated. These are bigger topics that could have their own uh, discussion points. But, you know, you know I appreciate it. I don't know who was the guys in CCEF, maybe David Powelson, who introduced to us the, the fact, you know, we are the products of some things in our lives. And that's true. Some things influence who we are today. And he, he separates into two categories, that, that our lives involve uh, nature and nurture, we are the products of nature and nurture. So part of that nature element is biologically, you kind of are a certain way. you got a gene pool floating around inside of you. right? I've got seven kids. I didn't program any of their personalities. They came out of the womb a certain way. They had certain instincts, certain drives, certain things about them that just made them a, a, a person. Uh, I'd love to take credit for some of the things that are kind of, hey, that's, that's a great quality that I see right there in my son. Uh, but... That quality over there, I didn't, I didn't give them any of those, right? They just they just came out wired a certain way, and their genes in them operated. So there is a biology to all of us that does produce some aspect of who we are, right? Don't, don't get too unphysical. God made us physical beings, and that's part of who we are. But then there's a, a, a nurture category that makes us a little bit of who we are as well. It's the environment that we grew up in. It's the experiences that we've had in life. And those things shape us as well. And along the way, we learn to be rewarded by things. We learn to appreciate things. We learn the benefit of things, and we get attracted to those. We learn other things hurt us. Other things affect us. Other things destroy us. Other things make us feel uncomfortable. And we learn to run away from those things. And that will is operating in every one of us. So you and I are going to be in our role as a dad, and those, that's going to be in us. There's going to be dimensions of that that are functioning in me. And the people around us who stick with us for a long time, like our kids and our wives, they're going to get around this stuff. It doesn't serve them if they grow to understand us a whole lot better than we ever understand ourselves. Because then all they do is push your buttons at that point when they bring these things up. Because they can never get traction in helping you see you. Because you're not in the business of seeing you. Uh, That's not a good thing for me as a husband. That's not a good thing for me as a dad. I need to see what is it like to be in a relationship with me? What do I come off like? What's my attitude? What's my tone like? What's my knee-jerk response well, know some things about yourself, right? A couple of quick thoughts just in, in these categories. Are you are you an angry person? Is that just a regular encounter that heightened emotion that pushes on people? That's what anger does, right? It comes into the room and everybody feels it. There's no question when anger is in the room. And it has an effect. And some of us learn to use that effect. And because we're the top of the food chain in our own homes, we can use that effect to silence conversations, to intimidate people. We're bigger than everybody else in the room. Our emotional presentation is stronger than everybody else's in the room. We can raise our voice and we can shut that thing down right now. Do you know that about yourself? The next question would be, do you know why you're angry? But that's a whole other subject. Are you a lazy person? Right, your parents could help you with some of those questions because probably a little bit of what you were when you were growing up, you're still kind of some of those things, right? And our quest in life is to create a world that doesn't demand too much from me. So I, I create schedules and activities and practices and what I'm really after is decomplicating and uncluttering my life so that I just feel like I'm just released into ease. And that motive is in me all the time. And you you may not notice that that's why I don't want to have that conversation. That's why I don't want to engage you right now. That's why I don't want to go on that trip or plan that thing. And you haven't discovered it's, it's because your life serves your craving for ease. Do you know that about yourself? Or does everybody else just know that as they interact with us? Are you a fearful person? Just for some reason, your temperament is more of a fearful setting. And so you've created a style of parenting that has very narrow borders. Right? You, you have hemmed your family in, and you've hemmed your children in, and you watch over everything that they do. And, and that can come off like you're a very conservative, careful dad. It, it might be that. Or it might be that you're a very fearful person. And so you're trying to create a space where nothing bad can ever happen to your kids. Because you love them. Listen, I get that. I have to battle fear in my life and I want to keep my kids in too narrow of spaces sometimes. Uh, We live in a risky world with a God who feels risky to us as well. That might not be what I'm open to, right? But I got to know that about myself. Uh, Am I a negative person? Do conversations quickly turn into me critiquing something? Me finding fault with it? Me explaining why that won't work? Me... Just uh, engaging my wife and my children with a sense of popping bubbles and being the joy killer and the wet blanket in the room over and over and over again. Do I know that about me? Can I pay attention to some of these things and help God to change some of them? Am I a people pleaser? I've got a role to play in people's lives, in my wife's life, and in my children's lives. Do I know whether I'm a people pleaser? Do I know that I seek for people to like me? That's my main goal. So I don't want to cross my kids and I don't want to cross my wife and I don't want to provide leadership that nobody's gonna like because I want to be liked. Right now I know I'm giving you a bunch of, of lists, but these are the kind of things that do do I know me? So when we build a community and and we We share with each other and we unpack our lives together and we talk about the lives that we're living. Help me. Help me to discover me in a way that God can engage those places. And you know, some of the stuff I just listed, it's it's never going to completely go away. It's just part of the way in which I am. But all the things that God goes to work on in our lives, He adjusts them and He changes them and He bends them into new places, right? Uh, Third, know your child. Uh, obvious statement, there, there's not a one size fits all dimension to our children. They're not carbon cutouts of us or each other. There's uniqueness in their lives. And so, even when they're raised in the same home, it's almost comical to have seven kids to kind of recognize how different they turn out, even though they were all raised by the same two parents. Uh, who had the same ideas and the same values, but, but my kids are unique. They've got temperaments and personalities that I'm learning. I'm interacting with them. And even the guys in the Bible, right? I mean, you, you recognize Jacob and Esau. You know, they're twins. Uh, they're raised by the same family. Well, you know, one of them's a liar and a trickster and a deceiver and a mama's boy. And the other one's the opposite. Raised in the same home. Same they got tendencies about them, right? The, the prodigal son. We don't meet his older brother until later. Uh, they got a different set of problems, don't they? You got one of them who wants to run away and the other one who's loyal as all get out, but both of them have a problem in their life of understanding what it's like to receive the, the wealth of having a father that they had. Neither one of them got that, but one of them dealt with it by insulting his father and moving as far away from him as he could the other one stood by him right by his side right, so as a dad you and i are discerning these things in our kids lives uh sometimes that discernment i you mean know, we need to be careful in seeing some things about our children that are going to serve them uh, in the long run um I'm always, I'm always careful about telling my kids stories um just because I, I don't want to put them in weird spots just because I felt the liberty to tell uh, their stories. So how can I say some of these things without giving away who they are? Um, right, all, of, all of us are engaging our kids with a couple, probably we're engaging their behavior, we're engaging their lives with three classic elements of parenting, right? There's, there's instruction, there's correction, and there's discipline. Right? These, these, The big three, these show up just in the regular routines of how we relate to them. Uh, help me as a community to notice that not all of my kids are going to receive instruction the same way, correction the same way, and discipline the same way. So we're, I'm going to do all three of those things, but they may not look exactly the same to each one of my kids. Right? I had one child that, uh, you know... When, our, our our children, when they were defiant and willful, and specifically stared sin in the face and stared authority in the face, and said, "I'm gonna do what I want to do," uh, they got spanked for that. Right? That's how we raised our kids. I had a child who we, we spanked them with a spoon. It was a big cooking spoon. Uh, all I would need to do is take the spoon out and touch them when they were little. That's it. That's as disciplined as they needed. And they, they were destroyed. They, were, they melted and just fell to pieces. And then I had another child that I think I could have backed a car up over him. And I, you know I wondered at points, what will get his attention? I can't bring myself to spank him any harder than I just did. But if you didn't get his attention, you would not adjust him at all. You, I, you know, I had to read that, okay, there's, there's a bit of a breaking point in him that's not the same as that one. He, and he had a brother who, if I raised my voice to him, I'd crush him. He would be crushed by just coming in touch with the intensity of me raising my voice. The other one, that didn't crush him. It was like rubber bullets that just bounced right off of him. He needed an encounter with something that was bigger than that. But I think we've got to learn our kids, they're, they're different, they're reached by different things. You know, and, and it's tempting just to develop this one-size-fits-all approach to our kids that, okay, you did that, now I do this. And you did that, now I do this. And when you get more complicated than that, it gets a little hard to manage. But nonetheless, uh, we are called to manage that. But, but let me encourage in this as well. Um, you know that knowing yourself dimension? You know, if God will give you the grace to know yourself, you'll also get some grace to help your kids know themselves. Now, if you don't know yourself, you're going to be a fault finder because humility comes when you have the courage to stare at yourself and to see how you don't have it all together. Now, when you approach your kids, you're freshly aware of that. I'm not not just aware, although my kids would hear a lot of stories about what I was like growing up um, because my kids far exceed me as a young person in almost every category. And so when I look back on who I was, they would be aware I'm not looking down my nose at them when they fall short because my resume is worse than theirs. My resume today has its issues. I'm, I'm aware today of things that I am not putting on and putting off effectively, that I'm not going free from, that are part of me. I need to be in touch with that. I need to be aware. I need to be, have been recently convicted by God and had an exchange with him that I am in touch with the fact that you know, I too fall short. Because now when I go to correct my kids and interact with them, that's going to inform what I feel like and sound like to them. And you and I have this role in their lives where we are introducing them to themselves. And you will be helping them to see things that your children don't want to see. But you know, as you've grown up in your own life, you're gonna, they're going to take these things with them. They're on their way into their marriages. They're on their way into how they parent. They're on their way into how they see the world and relate to other people. And, and you have this responsibility to, to help them. So, I don't know, yep. learn, learn their motivations. Learn their aversions. Their tendencies. Their idols. Their natural bent. learn those things don't don't just learn whether they do their homework or not whether they're good at social studies or you know whatever's on the table they're good athletes and they're really disciplined don't just learn those things learn what's going on on the inside of them they're motivated by certain things do they know what that is can you help them to see what that is they have aversions to things they're scared of stuff do I, do I see that about them? Do I, am I sympathetic? Do I recognize that I've got issues too in these categories? I have motivations and I have aversions and so that when I come to their life, I'm aware of what it's like to struggle in these things myself. And I'm helping them patiently to see this about them as well. Right? So, so be careful that we don't you know, take on this dad role, that what we're after as dads is you know, restoring balance to the force in our home universe and, and making sure everybody's kind of just staying in bounds, getting along, doing the next thing, peace with one another, things are settled, we're the disciplinarian, we kind of put out the fires when they come. We, we are helping our kids to see their own lives so that they might walk with God into the future. And they've got unique things about them, right? Things that you didn't necessarily contribute to, but... Uh, but they have nonetheless. All right, one last thing to know. Uh, know how to manage dad principles and practices and traditions. Um, and I, I share some of this just from my own journey. Uh, the eagerness that, that Gina and I had in, in raising our kids... Uh, it it made us run towards these things, made us run toward principles and practices and traditions. It made us run towards those things because I've told this story before, brought Sophie home and I'm like, does this thing come with a manual? Can you answer all my questions? What on earth do I do now? That's what I felt like as a dad bringing my first child home. And then, you know, you add more children and they go through seasons of life and you just all the more are looking for, how do I do this? And and this isn't a dangerous question to ask, but it has dangerous elements to it. What's the right way to do this? Be careful what you give status to as, quote, the right way. And I navigated this, and Gina navigated this, and and by the way, my wife and I have very different personalities and temperaments, so we navigated this very differently. Uh, I don't easily ascribe a right way to something. It's just something about preaching from God's word that I I see God's word with an authority that nothing else possesses. So for me, that's that's a home base. Does God's word say it a certain way? Uh, And maybe you're saying it in a different way or you're saying something that even is very different. I'm not as tempted to make that way the right way because I see God's word a certain way. Uh, My wife had to navigate those years. She has more of a tendency to take other people's ways and attempt to make them the right way. When you do that, welcome to the land of being a miserable parent. And welcome to a bad community, by the way. Because your tendency will be to turn everybody else's ways of doing stuff and their principles and their traditions that they just learned from somebody else, and you will turn them into rules and laws that you measure your own dadhood by. And so, you know, there are absolutes in the scripture that all of us need to heed. The Bible speaks about fatherhood a certain way in a way that's non-negotiable. It's not an option. So when the Bible comes along in Ephesians and says, fathers, do not provoke your children to anger. All right, when you come in contact with that, you don't have the option of, well, that's not my style. You know, I'm a little different than that. When I approach parenting, you know, I'm a provoker. That's kind of who I am. I've always been a provoker. And so I kind of approach parenting a little differently than what Paul was telling the Ephesians. Okay, you don't have that option. The Bible is actually commanding you in how you are not to do that. But if you sit among brothers, and, and, or I'm the guy speaking one day, and, and, and I'm giving you an example of, hey, in my home... Uh, 6.30 every evening, we have a family meal together, we all sit down at the same time, we have dinner together, and then one of the kids quotes an entire Bible chapter uh, from the Bible, and then we read the shorter catechism together every night. What are you going to do with that? Gonna, yeah. Um, and yeah. Part of you need to say, hey, good for you. That's That's great. I hope that works. I hope you don't set anybody on fire every night when you force them into that setting, and hope that's working for you. But that's not a measuring rod of your parenting. Right? That doesn't become the thing that you get to measure yourself by. Oh, man, I, I, don't even, I don't even know what the shorter catechism is. I don't read the Puritans like he does. And uh, that might be true. You may not do something that that person sits in their wheelhouse. They do that extremely well. But you may do some other things as a dad that are incredibly important to your children, that sit more in your wiring and your temperament. And what you could do from hearing these traditions, these principles and practices of others, is you could tweak your life. You could benefit from it. You could hear, oh, I could do something like that. I could do that this way. and That would work for me and for my family. You've got to discern that. What you don't want to do is create a community where it feels like you've got to live by somebody else's principles and practices. You don't have to mimic and do exactly what somebody else is doing in this category. You need to be led by God for yourself and for your family. But in the community, you can hear some great ideas. You can hear some inspiration. You could hear somebody say something like that and say, Hey, I've wanted to do something. How did you get that started? What were your initial steps like? Where did the wheels come off? Where was it hard? Where have you changed along the way? And just learn from each other and create an environment where we're doing that, right? All right, so those would be my four things. I would encourage us as a, as a, as a community of fathers, helping one another. As any guys who are going to be standing here helping us, speaking to us uh, in the future. And it may be very practical areas. And I, I know one of the things Nick had talked about is, you know, can we get into the practical spaces simply, with the simplicity of not giving a thousand ideas, but just say, hey, here's just something practical that you can do that's going to make a difference uh, in your life. Well, as we build that community with practical, helpful insights as well, uh, let, us, let us stay in touch with what we're doing with each other. We're helping each other as fathers to know God, to know ourselves, to know our children, and to know what to do with the ideas that we're sharing with each other. All right? All right, let's pray together, and I'll give this back to, to Nick. Oh, Lord, what a gift you have given to us in giving us children. Lord, can't imagine, just cannot imagine uh, a life lived in the absence of who my kids and my family have been to me and the years that have filled uh, my life with my wife and walking with them and caring for them and being in their, in their world. Lord, you have blessed us to be dads. Uh, And Lord, we're looking for that relationship with our kids uh, to be everything that you could empower it to be for the sake of your glory and for the sake of the people that we love the most. And so Lord, thank you for a setting like this that invites us to, to think intentionally in this category, to welcome your voice and the voice of others into the ideas that are shaping how we do this to awaken us at moments, to encourage us at other moments, to console us in places where we need all that. Lord, build for us, among us, a community, Lord, a community of dads that help one another in this way. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Thank you, Keith, uh, for really setting some good guidelines for how we discuss these things and how we apply stuff going forward. Um, I have a couple of book giveaways, so I'm trying to give away a couple of books every week, um, trying to keep them applicable to whatever speaker is talking about that week. Uh, the first one I want to give away here, and it, and it goes into what Keith said most directly, Um, is this book, Childproof. Uh, It's by an author and counselor named Julie Lowe, who is brilliant. I will read you a quote from it that really jumped out at me as I was reading it uh, that ties in really well with what Keith said. Uh, Parenting according to the needs of the family sometimes goes against our personal parenting preferences. The things we're assumed are basic ground rules for raising children or our ideal of a model home life. Parenting with your specific family in mind does not mean that you compromise biblical truth, but it means that you contextualize it to your home. It requires a willingness to challenge fixed ideas on how godly family life works. And I I really appreciate her, uh, not just commitment to that through concept, but then in the back of this book, her last few chapters are really simple, practical chapters like, uh, what do you do when your kid says, I don't know? know Anybody experienced that before? Or when your kid says, I'm bored. Or when they're not thankful. Some real basic, practical application points. So because is do with individuality, I think I know who's going to get this book already, but I'll, I could be surprised. Uh, I'm going to give this book to whoever has... Actually, I'm going to change this. I'm going to discount you, Frank and Keith. All right, just a heads up. To whoever has the largest cumulative age of your kids. So how old are your kids if you add their ages all up? It's a math quiz. Heck, I'm going to give it to the first person who can do the math. Uh, Anybody have a cumulative age of kids? Raise your hand if your kids combined are over 50. I need you all to do the math. Chin, how old are your kids combined? Anybody beat 65? Lemoyne, you're probably close. John, you... You're not quite there. Uh, Not that John. Steve, do you beat 65? Steve, anybody else beat 70? Here you go, Steve. Enjoy child proof. Uh, uh, It is only good if you read it. And then you can pass it down to the next most kids. Um... The next book is uh, for the dad who has the youngest born child. So I'm not counting in utero kids here. Sorry, John Mark. Um, Youngest born child. Who has a kid who's under one? Yeah? Born. Yes, born. Sorry. Uh, uh, Yay, congrats. All right. All right. Yes. How old your youngest? Five months? Congratulations. I haven't met you yet. What's your name? Oh, likewise. Great name. Uh, I'm going to give you dad tired and loving it because if you've got a five month old, you are probably dad tired. Uh, yeah. Uh, there is an audio book of it. It is on hoopla. Uh, if you guys don't know about hoopla, ask me about hoopla. Um, Evan wanted me to point out to you guys. If you go to the LCC app, there is in the... It's not ministry resources. It's under... Okay. Media, the ministry resources, you'll see popped. You can get Keith's notes from today. Uh, Will the sermon... Will will the the talk actually be up there as well? All right. So it'll all be posted there if you want to rewatch it. Um, We're going to do this again in a month. Super excited about that. For now, we're going to break down in some table discussions. It'll take about 20, 30 minutes just to talk through some of the ideas here. Um... My guys who are leading, I want you guys especially to pay careful attention and write down answers to two and three on your paper if you can. Just some basic ideas. Uh, We're going to be discussing some strengths and weaknesses and helping us to tailor this thing going forward. So uh, let's get to that.